This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Middletown, Connecticut. Welcome to a Monday morning wake-up call here on Sports Country Radio. Tom Brady is waking up as the Super Bowl champion for the seventh time in his career. Even you know, even he's got to be pinching himself a little bit. And yesterday's game was the easiest one of his Super Bowl career. Uh, his previous wins had been by an average of five points. They win yesterday 31-9. Tom Brady, the MVP. I'm not sure he should have been, but you know, that's fine. I mean, he played a good game, no question about that. If they could have given it to a, uh, a group, they should have given it to the defense because the defense yesterday was unbelievable. Uh, Todd Bowles did a great job uh, calling the defensive game plan for the Buccaneers yesterday. Uh, so, uh, before we get uh, talking about the game a little bit, I have to say congratulations to my stepson, Alex Roller, down in Florida. Alex called this one uh, it, the day that they signed Tom Brady, and then he found out Rob Gronkowski was coming. He said, they're going to win the Super Bowl. Now, I, Al is not a huge sports fan. Uh, now, he lived with us for a while, and he followed it, and you know, but he's a, he's a Tampa fan. He's a Florida fan. And uh, and I think he did some of it just to get my goat a little bit, but uh, said that they were going to win it. And I said, no chance in hell. This is a Tampa franchise that was down. It was a Tampa franchise that did not have a history of winning. It was one of the worst franchises in football. And Tom Brady quickly turned that around. Now, it wasn't just Tom Brady. Obviously, they got Gronk. They got Antonio Brown. Uh, they got Leonard Fournette. I mean, they did some you know, some things to make this team better and to give uh, Brady the tools around him. But uh, regardless, they won it. So, Al, you were right. Uh, and and congratulations. And I, I will never doubt you. Well, no, I won't say that. But <laughs> Alex getting it done. Also, congratulations to uh, my college roommate, Tom Gentile. Uh, Tom's been on our show a few times. Uh, lives in Tampa. And works actually for the Bucks during the regular season. Now that was curtailed this year, obviously, because of um, no fans in the stands there for a while. But uh, he did work. He works for the Bucks. Uh, he's also a healthcare worker, respiratory therapist. So uh, congratulations to him. He said there were fireworks going off in his neighborhood last night after the game was over. I texted him as soon as it was over. I gotta imagine that the whole Tampa area last night was insane. Uh, I saw some things on the Today Show this morning, and not a lot of social distancing going on in Tampa yesterday. Uh, but uh, you know, it would. And the only shame of it is, is that it was in their home stadium, and only twenty five thousand people there. Uh, I think there were like eight thousand healthcare workers, which was really cool. Uh, and they put a bunch of cutouts in the stands to make it look like it was more full. But uh, it, it was. Uh, 
a remarkable performance by the Buccaneers, no question about it. Uh, before the game even got started, great rendition, by the way, of the national anthem last night. And, uh, you know, Eric Church and Jasmine Sullivan, who I have to admit, I had no idea who she was. Eric Church, Country Music Entertainer of the Year last year. I am not a huge Eric Church fan, but he and Jasmine Sullivan knocked it out of the park with the rendition of the national anthem last night. So that was really good. Uh, her did a uh, rec- uh, rendition of America the Beautiful last night that was really good. Uh, the halftime performance, oh, good Lord. That was, uh, what's the term they use? A hot mess. Uh, look, I don't, I, I have to admit now, I had only heard, I think, one of the weekend songs. I'm not, you know, I'm not a huge fan, obviously. But part of the problem with the halftime performance, A, uh, the, the, they did this thing in, the, in a mirror room and I got seasick. Um, the sets were elaborate, but you couldn't hear him. You couldn't if you didn't know his music, you had no idea what the hell he was singing last night. Um, I thought his performance was wooden, you know. They had, but the set was kind of cool, and supposedly he spent several million dollars of his own money setting this thing up. Uh, but I thought it fell flat, you know. I mean, uh, I, I'm I would get accused, I'm sure, of being a boomer and being an old man, and you know, uh, a guy I went to high school with actually. Uh, said last night on Twitter is like, I'm just glad that they, you know, they stopped with the old geezer thing. You know, I think that's a little overdone. He, he And he called it a spirited R&B uh, halftime show. I would not call what it was spirited. I thought it was boring. I thought it was wooden. I thought it was odd. I really did. Uh, you know, the whole mask dancer thing with the, it, just, I, it was creepy to me. And again, you couldn't hear him, couldn't understand him. So, uh, you know, but anyway, so, let's get to the game. Uh, Dan Zampano, by the way, coming up at 9.30. So, I'm not going to get too heavy into this because Dan and I are going to talk about it for a half an hour. So, he'll be on at 9.30. I know he's happy. He predicted the win uh, on the show on Friday. He said – now, he had the, actually had the score half right. He said the Bucks would win the game 31-30. to 30. Well, the Bucks had 31, but the Chiefs got nowhere near 30. Um. As I was talking, you know, the defense last night was unreal. Patrick Mahomes, the quarterback for the Chiefs, spent the entire night running for his life. Uh, He ended up 26 of 49 for 270 yards. I think he had 50-something yards passing in the first half. It was unbelievable. You know, and some of the passes, he, he was damn lucky. Some of the crap that he threw up, and I realized that he's very athletic, and, you know, we have seen him time after time after time complete passes that he had no business completing. But last night, some of the stuff he was trying to throw, he was damn lucky. He didn't throw about five interceptions last night. It was un, It was just crazy. But it was mainly because Todd Bowles' defense – was dominant in that game last night. And for New England fans, you know, there were a lot of people that took their allegiance to Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski south to Tampa. And they had to be happy. Brady with two touchdown passes to Gronkowski. And then he threw another one to Antonio Brown, another former Patriot. So there were a lot of New England uh, uh, ties last night. And I just kept thinking, 
every time Tom Brady completed a pass or he threw one to Gronkowski, I'm sure Bill Belichick took another drink. He and Robert Kraft, you know, that was cringeworthy last night. After what the Patriots went through this year and to see these two guys down in Tampa having a blast and tooling up the, the Chiefs, it had to be hard for those guys to watch. And the Chiefs played uncharacteristically uh, undisciplined last night. A lot of penalties. And you know what? Here we go again, social media. But, ah, that wasn't a penalty. That wasn't a penalty. That wasn't a penalty. Tom Brady gets all the breaks. Uh, look, if you watch the replay, these penalties that were called were penalties. You know, there were a couple that – Letter of the law, they were penalties. Now, whether the ball was catchable or not or whether the call was away from the ball or not, I get it. But at the end of the day, you know, those flags are thrown before the play is completed. So it's not a matter of whether you should have thrown it or not. If a, if, if one of the referees on the far side of the field sees a penalty and throws a flag and then the pass, you know, uh, is incomplete or whatever – and then the penalty is called. Well, that flag was thrown before the play was over. So you can't say, well, they're just trying to protect Brady. It's, it has nothing to do with that. This is just haters. And, you know, as, as Dan said when we had him on last week, look, if you're, if you're a New England fan or if you're a football fan, you have to appreciate what you've seen here. And any New England fan that that is hating on Brady, shame on you. He was like a god when he was here. He got you six Super Bowl titles. And because he decided at the end of his career he wanted to do something different, he wanted to get away from a tyrannical head coach and general manager in Bill Belichick. And this isn't – I'm not dumping on Bill Belichick saying that he's, you know, no good. That's not – but he it's his way or the highway. And Tom Brady, year after year after year, took less money than he could have made elsewhere – to make the Patriots better. You know, how many times did he restructure his contract so the Patriots could go out and sign other players? And I think the Patriots, Belichick and Kraft, took that for granted. And I think finally at the end of his career, Brady said, I've had enough. And, you know, maybe he was tired of playing in the cold in New England. Who could blame him? So if you're a New England fan and you're dumping on Brady, shame on you. He got you six Super Bowl titles, you should be celebrating that he got his seventh. Yeah, it's not with you, but you know what? If you have an issue with that, take that up with your owner and your head coach slash general manager. Don't take it out on Tom Brady. Tom Brady took one for the team time after time after time. Rob Gronkowski walked away from football because of having to deal with the Patriot way, as they call it, or the, in, in more accurately, the Belichick way. He'd had enough of that crap, so he walked away from football. Tom Brady allowed Rob Gronkowski to be himself and to, to put some joy back in football down in Tampa to the point where he could enjoy himself again and come back and play. He wasn't coming back to New England because he'd had enough. So when Brady left and gave him an opportunity down there, he jumped at it. So, you know, if you're a New England fan, stop the, stop the nonsense about the hating on Brady. Uh, but anyway, uh, Dan Zapano is going to be on with us uh, in about uh, the next 15 minutes, and we'll talk more about the game. I don't want to uh, 
uh, belabor the point now. But, boy, it was it was fun to watch. I mean, look, it was a terrible game at the end of the day. It was boring. 31-9 to is not a fun game to watch. But what was it was, but it was fascinating to see how Tampa turned this game around after what Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey did to them the first time that they played. To see the turnaround and the adjustments that Todd Bowles and that Tampa defense made was remarkable. Absolutely remarkable. So anyway, uh, Dan Zampano here in a few minutes. Uh, a couple other things from the weekend. Leon Spinks died this weekend. Um, now, look, Leon Spinks was a uh, a so-so heavyweight fighter in his career, but he is he had the distinction of beating Muhammad Ali to win the heavyweight title in only his eighth fight. This was all the way back in 1978. I was a senior in high school, and Muhammad Ali had just gotten done with a fight. He had beaten Ernie Shavers, but he had gotten a snot beat out of him. He was tired, and he needed an easy fight. Uh, and it was supposed to be a mandatory fight against Ken Norton. You know, the uh, the boxing organization had said, you're going to fight Ken Norton. He didn't want to. He knew that he was probably going to get stripped of his title, uh, or at least one of his titles, for taking a fight that wasn't Ken Norton. But he said, screw you. I'm fighting Leon Spinks. And Leon Spinks shocked everybody by winning a split decision over Muhammad Ali. It was unbelievable. I'll never forget it. Uh, and, uh, again, he was unranked. Eight fights, nobody ever heard of him. Um, now, they had a rematch later uh, in Muhammad Ali beat him uh, in a unanimous decision. But and, and that was the highlight of Spinks' career, quite frankly. I mean, he only fought for the heavyweight title one more time after that. He got stopped by Larry Holmes in the third round back in 1981. And, and then fought off and on into the mid-90s. Uh, finished with a career record, I think, of 26-17-3. He had, uh, Look, he was a guy that uh, is probably the poster child for brain uh, injuries from boxing. Uh, his brain was studied at one point, uh, and he had uh, serious issues, uh, brain damage from repeated blows to the head. And uh, he also abused alcohol a lot of times, so... Uh, blew through all his money, ended up working as a janitor at one point, uh, cleaning locker rooms in a YMCA in Nebraska. Uh, so, you know, it was, um, it was a rapid fall from grace, but he still attended, uh, uh, you know, autograph signings and was very friendly with fans and, uh, had that uh, big gap tooth smile. And, uh, he was popular with boxing fans and he will always be remembered for beating the greatest Muhammad Ali in a fight that, Nobody saw coming back in 1978. Uh, also passing away, uh, surprisingly, in the media, uh, baseball media this weekend, Pedro Gomez, uh, who worked at ESPN, a guy that I met a couple of times. Uh, great guy, uh, 58 years old, uh, died suddenly at his home this past weekend. He worked uh, for ESPN, as I said, on SportsCenter, on Baseball Tonight. Um, he was part of their Wednesday night baseball package. Uh, his his son, as a matter of fact, is a pitcher in the Red Sox minor league system. But, uh, again, this was completely unexpected. Nobody knows exactly why. Probably some kind of a heart attack or something. But uh, uh, just uh, just ter- terrible. Terrible. And I saw it yesterday. Pete Abraham from the Boston Globe put something on social media. That's how I found out about it. And, uh, uh, as I said, it was uh, you know somebody that I had met a couple of times and was very gracious uh, when I introduced myself and had a chance to talk with him. 
Uh, so uh, that was too bad. Um, big women's basketball game tonight here in the state of Connecticut. The UConn Huskies taking on South Carolina tonight. The number two team in the country should be entertaining. I am a little bit worried about this. The last time UConn played a team with this kind of an offense was when they played Arkansas a couple of weeks ago and got run out of the building. South Carolina right now has one of the top five offenses in the country. They are averaging over 82 points a game. They love to pound the ball inside, uh, and uh, they love to run up and down the floor. If you're UConn tonight, I don't think you can try to run with this team. Look, I know that Paige Beckers has been remarkable. She's got back-to-back 30-point games. In her, in her last two games, she shot, or her last four games, she shot 63% from the field, uh, in, including, by the way, 76% on three-point shots. That's, a, that's ridiculous. Um, she's great. You know, Krista Williams, great. You know, Nika Mule, freshman, has, has really uh, asserted herself. But they can't outrun this team tonight. This game tonight is going to come down to two players for the UConn Huskies, Olivia Nelson Adota and Aaliyah Edwards a junior and a freshman inside. They have got to contain Aaliyah Boston, the leading scorer for South Carolina. They want to pound the ball inside. Boston's averaging about 14 points a game. She is a beast on the boards, and UConn is going to have to contain her. So that's what it's going to come down to. And for Nelson Adota, she has issues staying out of foul trouble. And so I worry about that tonight, whether or not she's going to be able to stay out of foul trouble. But the game is at 7 o'clock. Uh, it is on FS1 tonight, and uh, it's going to be – look, if UConn wins this game, I think they are a legitimate national championship contender. If they lose this game after losing the way they did – to Arkansas and showing that teams that push the ball and like to play at a faster pace is too much for this team. You know, we'll see them, you know, they'll, they'll probably make the elite eight and we probably, we might see them lose uh, before they even get to the final four. Now, again, it's a freshman laden team. This team is going to win national championships in the next couple of years, but it's a very young team. And I'm not sure if they're ready for this or not. I hope they are. Uh, and I'm looking forward to watching this one tonight. So 7 o'clock on FS1. Uh, news for the UConn men is good news. They, well, bad news over the weekend. They lost to Seton Hall. Uh, they fell behind by 18 points early. They came back. They got it back within two. They ended up losing by seven at home to Seton Hall. But, look, you'll forgive UConn a little bit. They had just, you know, one of those forced uh, vacations again because of the COVID-19 things, and they came back and they looked flat. No question. Uh, but the good news is James Booknight, their star, may be back in action on Wednesday night at Providence College. He's going to be a game-time decision, but he's been practicing, and he wants to play. And this is a kid, by the way, we're probably seeing his last handful of games for the UConn Huskies. He's only a sophomore, but he is projected to be a first-round NBA pick if he declares for the draft, and a lot of people expect him to do that, and a lot of people wonder – if this injury, this hyperextension of his elbow that he just had might be something that propels him even more to want to leave college basketball and not risk a serious injury uh, that could cause him 
to fall down on the draft board and maybe cost him some money. So we might be seeing the end of the road for book night, but you know what? Enjoy it while you can. This UConn team was averaging almost 76 points a game uh, in the six games they had with book night, but they've, they've averaged about 10 points less than that in the six games after that, and they've gone three and three without him. So they need him to play, and hopefully uh, we'll get to see him on Wednesday night. We've got a couple of things in baseball. I wanted to spend some more time on it, but uh, obviously a lot to get to in just an hour this morning. But uh, a big signing yesterday or over the weekend by the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, We'll talk more about this tomorrow, but Trevor Bauer, the most coveted player on the free agent market this winter, signed with the Dodgers. So the rich get richer. They are so far over the luxury tax threshold, it's not even funny. But because the Dodgers last year got back under that threshold, the penalties for going so far over this year aren't going to be bad. It's going to be you know about $10 million that they're going to have to pay in penalties for going over. But uh, they now have three Cy Young Award winners with Bauer uh, joining the team. They have Trevor Bauer, they have Clayton Kershaw, and they have David Price. Now, David Price didn't play last year, opted out because of the COVID things, but he is expected back this year. It's the first time a team has had three former Cy Young Award winners in their rotation uh, since the Detroit Tigers back in 2014 had Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer, and David Price. Um, So, look, Bauer was ridiculous last year. His second season with Cincinnati, uh, 1-7-3 ERA. Uh, Crazy. And uh, five and four record, but that's only because he was playing for Cincinnati and they couldn't score. Um, you know, and, and over his lifetime, look, he this is a guy. If you look at his nine major league seasons, he's got a seventy-five and sixty-four record in the ERA of three point nine. But the last three years, he has been a different player. As I said, one seven three last year. Uh, he was an All Star back in twenty eighteen. Went twelve and six with a two two one ERA. So he has transformed himself, and if that's any indication, man, the Dodgers, the rich, just get richer. They already won the World Series, and now they've got Trevor Bauer as well. Uh, one other quick thing: the uh, word came down this morning that the Mets uh, have signed Albert Almora Jr. to be their new center fielder. Now they wanted George Springer, didn't get him. They were in on Jackie Bradley Jr., decided to go a different route, so they have signed Albert Almora Jr. uh, to a contract. He will be their new center fielder. Almora had spent his entire career with the Chicago Cubs. He is a great defender, and uh, he will fit in very well in that outfield between Michael Conforto and Brandon Nimmo. It's 28 minutes past the hour. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Dan Zampano will join us to talk Super Bowl. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 31 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call here on a Monday morning. And uh, we usually have them on Fridays, but we did not want to wait until Friday to talk about what happened last night. So let's get to it. Dan Zampano, you got to be a happy man this morning. Uh, I am absolutely pleased as plum pudding, as they say. <laughs> I, I, I just I could not believe that that result last night. And I'm shocked. Like, I think the country is shocked. At, at what kind of an, and, and listen, for lack of a better term, what kind of an ass-kicking that was. Yeah. I mean, that was unbelievable how not only, 
I mean, Tom Brady and, and Gronkowski, I think we an uh, unbelievable camaraderie between those two over the years. And for that, it was it was bittersweet as a Patriots fan, obviously, to, to see that to see that go down. It was amazing, but but the defense of Tampa Bay was unbelievable. If if you had said that there was going to be a team that did not score a touchdown in this game. Uh, I would have bet probably my house that it was Tampa Bay because <laughs> I, I, I was I, I mean it, that's incredible. Nobody does that. Um, you know, I was I, the the one thing I kept coming away from in this game was watching Patrick Mahomes because he was running for his life the entire night, and you know they sacked him what three times, but that what you know it it wasn't even about how many number of times they sacked him. How many times was he just running around trying to throw these circus passes? He was lucky that he didn't throw five interceptions of this game with, with some of the stuff that he was trying to complete simply because of that defensive pressure. And I think there's a couple of reasons why this is. I think, obviously, you have to – we talked about it. The two tackles being out – I mean, Eric Fisher being out was just massive. I mean, they could not block – Shaq Barrett. They could not block Jason Pierre-Paul on the outside. Uh, we talked about it. Internal pressure was good, too. I mean, and Dominican Sue had a very nice game. Vita uh, Vea had a very good but the, the whole, the whole, um, the whole defense, I mean, in, in retrospect, if you look at just even in the beginning of the first half, I mean, there were some passes that Mahomes was, yeah, under pressure and had to run, but it wasn't like he had to he had to whip him like he was in the second half. Right. And in the first half, he was trying to get some balls down the field, but yeah, he had room to throw, and, and they were just fantastic in the back end. They didn't make mistakes. They, For some reason, it took till the Super Bowl for somebody to figure out the double Tyreek Hill. I mean, <laughs> like, like, we've been talking about yeah. that all year long. And, you know, I think the Bucks really learned from that first meeting that I don't care. We didn't care if Kelsey was going to beat us, if anybody else is going to beat us, we are not going to lose Tyree Kill. And they did a great job. Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles really deserves Super Bowl MVP. They're going to give it to a coach. I think it would be him. I mean, that was really one of the most virtuoso performances of a defensive coordinator I've seen. But you're right. Patrick Mahomes can, listen, he can make those unbelievable throws like we know he can. But if he's doing it on every single play, that's a recipe for success. So fantastic job by by the defensive line. Fantastic. You know, and you you looked at uh, they kept every time like he would get the pressure or he'd throw one of these balls up, and then you know CBS would zoom in on Patrick Mahomes' face. He looked confused. He looked. He, you know what? He looked like he did after he got the concussion when the lights were on, but nobody was home. He just mm. seemed to have no. He was like. What the hell is happening? He didn't know, almost didn't know how to handle the fact that he wasn't doing things, getting things to come as easily as he usually does. It got to a point where you wondered, are the, I, I, I looked at somebody that I was watching the game with and I, and I said, are the Chiefs even attempting to block these guys? I mean, like, <laughs> it was, it, it got to the point where I was legitimately concerned. Jim, he was pressured on 29 snaps. Yeah. 29 pressures by the Kansas, by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That is a Super Bowl record that has stood since Jim Kelly. I mean, that is that is incredible to do that against this offense, to hold this offense to 9 points. I mean, 
it still boggles the mind. There was at one point where they were one for nine on passing attempts on third down. Yeah. I mean, that is like, it just doesn't happen. We haven't seen it. This is the, this is the first time too, by the way, that the chiefs have not scored a touchdown since November of 2017. Patrick Mahomes didn't, wasn't even playing wow. back then. So, I mean, that, that's how historic that defensive performance is and how shocking. Well, and the other thing about this game last night was that the Chiefs were uncharacteristically undisciplined. They had more penalties, mm. they had more penalties in the first half than they did points. Um, but the thing is, is that, and there's a lot of people, you look on social media, everybody wants to pitch, oh, here we go, Brady's getting all the calls. Look, at the end of the day, these penalties were penalties. Whether they were away from the ball or not, the point I made early was, hey, look, a referee on the far side of the field away from the play may throw a flag because there's a penalty. They don't know that the you know what's going to happen the rest of the play. It's still a penalty. And the Chiefs just kept, I mean, they their their shoes must be like have ho- lots of holes in them because they kept shooting themselves in them. <laughs> well, I think that I think that that was obviously a major factor in the game and a noticeable factor in the game. I mean, in the biggest of moments, too, I mean, the end of the first half, that sequence was an absolute just disaster because you had what well, you had an interception right there on top with Tyron Matthew and nope, you got a holding call. And then right, right down the field, I mean, the, the, the mistakes that were made, the timeout that Andy Reed took, I uh, came one. back, came back to bite him. Yeah. I mean, it really, really came back to bite him because right after that, you're seeing the Mike Evans pass interference down the field um, with them taking shots. And, and then with 18 seconds to go, you get a Mike Evans pass interference again in the end zone. Uh, now you're on the one yard line with ten seconds left, and it's 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 a completely different ball game. I mean, that's that right there is usually what we see is that oh the Chiefs make a stop there, they score, go down the field, and then they get the ball in the second half, and they score again, and all of a sudden, bang, it's 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 a seventeen fourteen Chiefs, and and now it's completely flipped on its head. I mean, that's a humongous humongous touchdown at the end of the first half. So, and, and basically brought on by penalties. You also had a penalty where they were offsides on a field goal. Right. So, I mean, you know, there, there was so many costly, costly mistakes that eventually you just, you can't overcome them. Well, and the shocking thing too is, is, is that they didn't make any adjustments in the game. I mean, they just didn't make any adjustments on offense, on defense. I mean, it was like, it was like they just played the same game, the entire game, throwing to Travis Kelsey over the middle. That was it. I mean, it was it was really stunning what happened. Well, and another big factor in the game last night um, were the problems on special teams for Kansas City. Uh, Tommy Townsend was maybe one of the worst nights for a kicker, uh, a punter in a long, long time. He shanked a couple. I mean, he had one. He made a nice play where, you know, bad snap, he picks it. Or actually, it wasn't a bad snap. He just dropped the snap, picked it up, and got off a booming kick. But then we got another penalty. So Arian says, let's make him kick it again. And then he shanked his second one. It only went like 29 yards or something. And here we go again, setting up the Buccaneers. I mean, what a brutal night for that kid. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, it's just, I, I think it's Bruce Arians really pulling all the right levers. I mean, to make him re-kick that thing instead of taking the 10 yards, I mean, that's 
That's brilliant. I mean, you want those opportunities. I mean, what did we talk about, Gene? We talked about if the Bucks make the Chiefs punt more than twice, that, that was going to be a success, and they punted three times in the first half. Right. And right. then you saw the rest of the way. They they got down, and they never punted in the second half because they were going for it every single time. They had to. So it was just it was just one of those nights that, that you look at and you're like, this is lining up so perfectly for Tampa Bay. It's like unbelievable. Uh, and listen, now now you're going to go off into the off season, and and you're going to talk about legacy. Nobody, I mean, nobody is touching Tom Brady. If, and 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 I think that was a, a a motivational factor for him in this game is that everybody had picked the Chiefs to win this game, or at least seventy five percent of the country was really picking the Chiefs to win this game. Yep. And and to me, it was a slap in the face to him that said. Oh yeah, you want to hand the reins over and hand the face of the league over to this kid? Oh, I'm just going to go out and win my seventh Super Bowl. Don't worry about it. And then not really even care about it after the game. I mean, it was like, oh yeah, I've done this ten million times before. I think, I, I think it's just a testament to to just it's one of the great sports sports persons that we've ever seen. I mean, it, and it will never be duplicated ever again. I just can't imagine in this sport. That does not happen. Five Super Bowl MVPs, seven Super Bowls, three thousand yards in the Super Bowl. I mean, the numbers are just incredible. Well, it's, it's really, it's really a great accomplishment. I also think Brady was very smart last night. Jim Nance twice last night in that interview mm-hmm. at the end of the game tried to get Brady to say this was his greatest Super Bowl ever. He was trying really hard to get Brady to say something, and Tom Brady wouldn't take the bait and said, I'm not going to compare. That was that was brilliance on his part. Yeah, I wonder. I mean, do you think that do you think that this was his best Super Bowl ever? Because I uh, you know, no. to me no. it, it I don't think I don't think it was either. I, I I mean in terms of a statistical performance and, and a virtuoso performance, I mean I never saw anything me to me personally, that, that Falcons game was unbelievable. That was the best that, as far that, as that I'm period. That, Clearly, yep. clearly that was the best game. And even the second Eagles game where he just threw for 500 yards and yep. he was unbelievable in that game. Yep. So to me, it's like, and I think Nance really means that question in the sense of, is this the sweetest one? Right. Because you didn't have Bill and you didn't have all the whole Patriots way and all that stuff. And, you know, I think deep down I I think Tom was just happy. I think Tom was happier this year playing football than he has been in a really really long time. And and, and to me it's 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 got to be sweet to get this. But at the end of the day I think he's probably more happy looking back on to be able to get a team like this that has a bunch of players that has a bunch of young guys but also a bunch of veterans. Yeah. I mean you got guys like Indomitian Sue and and Levante David and God, unbelievable! That Antonio Brown is a Super Bowl champion is like incredible. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, but, and, and they, but, they you mentioned, know, the guys like that. I mean, he's got to be happy for them. Well, they mentioned Dominican Sue last night. You know, he'd been in the league for so long. He finally wins a Super Bowl. You know, and I was thinking, boy, talk about a guy that has had. Uh, a bit of a reformation. This is a guy in Dominican Sue who was known as one of the dirtiest players in the NFL, mm. and he has really, he's really kind of turned 
his image around, and good for him because, I mean, he, he this is a guy that didn't need to play dirty because he's very talented, and I think, you know, that this was a kind of a, a reformation for him this year. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. He I mean, he went over to the Rams for a year, right, and, and he almost got it. I mean, he got to the mountaintop, and he lost to Brady. Right. But I think playing – I think playing – in this game now, uh, you don't get that many opportunities. And there's a lot of guys that did this. I mean, we just mentioned two of them, Antonio Brown. We mentioned uh, Ndamukong Sue. Uh, Mike Evans, at some points, has kind of been a hothead and, and right. had those issues. But, but he's been in the league a long time, and, and, and it's a big win for him. I mean, and, and then you look at the coaching staff. I mean, Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles, I mean, he was killed in New York. I mean, just absolutely, yeah. just the worst place. I mean, was one of the worst coaches there. <laughs> and and now, and now he's a Super Bowl champion. Was one of the greatest coaching performances of all time, uh, in my opinion. Yep. Uh, against an offense and and guys like Byron Leftwich. I mean, guys and Bruce Arians. I mean, look at Bruce Arians. Bruce Arians. If you look at his story, I mean, he's coached amazing quarterbacks, but could never win. Never, never, never was able to win the big one with, with those teams, and and ended up, and ended up, you know, being a guy that dropped out of high school, got kicked out of high school, and then went all through this crazy story, and now he's a Super Bowl champion head coach. I mean, the oldest ever to do it. So, I mean, there's so many great stories with Tampa, but it starts at the top. It starts at, it starts at Tom Brady and and, and his legacy, and and how he was able to take a brand new team with COVID. And, and and all these factors that happened this year and and win a Super Bowl by winning three road games. And, and that's incredible. That really is incredible. Yeah, you know, and when one other name that just popped up to me, you know, when you were talking about all these new guys, how about a guy like Leonard Fournette? How how thrilled has he got to be? I mean, this is a yeah. guy that was on the you know, he was on the waiver wire, you know, and now yeah. he's now he's a Super Bowl champion. He's gotta be like pinching himself. I was I said this morning, even Tom Brady had to go to bed last night going Holy crap! <laughs> you know, I even he's got to be amazed, don't you think? At some point, or or is he just that confident? I mean, is don't you think he's even a little stunned by what he's done? I think I think it will all kind of maybe hit him this morning, or maybe when Tom Brady is all done. I I, I truly believe, and and ever since I saw this interview back in two thousand and two, I truly have believed this about Tom Brady where he had talked to Steve Sable and Steve Sable had said like, what's, what's, what's the goal, you know, I mean, to go get, you know, another one, another ring. And, and Tom Brady's always talked about this. He's always said that about his, about his equipment manager in college at Michigan, what a million big 10 rings. And, and, and Tom asked his equipment manager, he said, you know, which one's your favorite ring? And the equipment manager looked at him and he said, the next one. And, <laughs> and as long as, and, yeah. And as long as Tom Brady is in this league, I just think that that's just going to be his motivation. It's like, I want to win so much that they'll never be able to touch me. And, and, and he'll, he'll think about this game, and, and it'll be a great, sweet win. But I guarantee you, if Tom Brady's coming back next year, he's not coming back to just play. He's coming back to go and, and go back-to-back with it. I mean, that's that's the only. What other motivation right. could you possibly have at this point yeah. to come back yeah. now? And 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 it's just got to be to to win to be the first quarterback to win back to back titles uh, with two different teams. I mean, uh, that would be <laughs> that would be the only thing. I mean, it's crazy. 
you know, and, and I thought it was interesting yesterday, too, that Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, and Bruce Arians all made a point of saying last night, I'm coming back. You know, I'm ready for more. I'm not, you know, there's, I mean, I, all three of those guys last night, because everybody already theorizes, well, you know, you know, maybe that's, you know, maybe Arians is going to ride off into the sunset. Arians said, no. That's ridiculous. He, you know, I mean, he was going, and and the same thing with Brady and Gronk. They've already said we'll be back for more unless something drastic changes. Uh, you know, those three will be ready for another ride next year. Yeah, I mean, it's gonna it's gonna be a little bit of a different looking team. It's gonna have to be because of their cap situation. Right. But but they should. I mean, they should be probably the. Same. I mean, right now Vegas had what the Packers is the favorite to 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 win the Super Bowl in the NFC next right. year. Yep. So that was that came out this morning, but they're going to be right up there. I mean, they're going to be right up there. It's going to be them, the Packers, the Rams. I mean, those those three teams are going to be in. We'll see if the 49ers improve, if they can get back. You know, I think there's going to be a very interesting NFC from this point forward because with Drew Brees leaving, it really – or if, if Drew Brees is leaving – it really opens up the, the NFC South for that team. I mean, it's it's going to be a very difficult task for anybody to beat that team. If they are the same offense, it, it will be very difficult. Well, based on what we heard over the weekend where Breeze restructured his contract so it was only for a million dollars this year and he's going to hold off retirement until June and reduce the cap hit on uh, on the Saints, it sure sounds like he's on his way out. I mean, all the signs, all the tea leaves read uh, that Drew Brees is done. I, I can't imagine that, that he is back. And and it's crazy. So we're now losing our generation. I mean, like I said, I, I, I had said this before, this is the greatest generation of quarterbacks we have ever had. And and to lose Phillip Rivers and now probably lose Drew Brees, I mean, I, I hate to say this to the, all the Brady haters out there because I know that most of the country does this. I don't know how many people are now at the point of uh, you got to respect the guy, but I, there's a lot of people out there that just don't like him. You need to sit back and and look at Rodgers and Roethlisberger and Brady and and all these guys and 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 cherish this because this is this is something we're not going to see. I mean, we're just we're we're not going to see this this amount of quarterbacks be able to do to do this. It's really an incredible incredible thing for the NFL to be able to have to be able to have these guys, and and we'll see in the next generation. I mean, there's a lot of young guys coming up, but you can see already how many how quickly teams are willing to move on mm-hmm. from quarterbacks right. that they signed big contracts. Jared Goff last week. Carson Wentz, I think, is going to get traded by by Wednesday. I I think that to the, that, to the that Bears, perhaps like, to the Bears, the Colts, whoever it is. I mean, I I, I think it's going to be a done deal pretty quickly. And, and so uh, Sam Darnold, you're seeing that already. Uh, those rumors out there that the people are calling about him. I mean, it's just so you just teams are so much more willing now to make these NBA trades for quarterback that you know. It's it's getting to the point where it's going to be difficult to have generation a, a, a generation of quarterbacks. It's going to be Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes at this point. I mean, those are the only two shorter guys I think for the next fifteen years. You know, and I really think those are the only guys. You know, when you were just talking about NBA trades, you know, I, I was I likened the the Jared Goff uh, uh, 
swap with Detroit the other day, I started calling it like this is the kind of stuff you see in fantasy leagues. You know, I almost think that like fantasy fantasy football is like, you know, gotten into the GM rooms now. And these guys are, as you said, willing to make these trades, which on the face of it, you'd say, what the hell are you thinking about? I mean, you know, trades that that 15 or 10 years ago, nobody did that trade with the Rams and the Lions 10 years ago would have never happened. It's a once in a 20 year trade. I mean, yeah, that type of trade. So, I mean, again, I liken it. We likened it last last week to the Herschel Walker trade. So, I mean, and that was what, 30 years ago. So, right. You know, at this point, at this point, it's like, wow, that just never happened. So, so is what I'm saying. And I guess just to kind of wrap up that point is, is just to say, man, like look at these guys and just take advantage of, of, of watching this for the last year or two that they have uh, here, because it, it really is, is something else. Um, well, as we head into the off season and you take a look at the Kansas city chiefs and having to lick their wounds, uh, there, I mean, when they go into the off season, how much work do they really have to do or, 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 you know, I mean, you look at them and people are going to say, well, you just got, you know, you just got spanked. But if you look on the face of it, there's no reason to think that Kansas city chiefs team isn't going to be right back there next year. Yeah, they're going to be the the favorites in the AFC. There's no question about that. But I think that they took a step back defensively this year. There's there's no question about that either. Uh, they were one of the. I think they're going to work on 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 discipline. They were one of the most penalized teams in football this year, yeah. fifth in penalties. Um, there's going to be things that they're going to have to shore up. Every team has to shore something up. I mean, once you win a Super Bowl, th- this is why it's so difficult to win back-to-back Super Bowls, let alone get there, which is a great accomplishment in itself. But, but it's so difficult to win back-to-back Super Bowls because you have to be perfect on so many big stages. Uh, again, after already winning one, it's like, it's like, man, I can't believe we did that. And it's such a high feeling. And we saw it this year from the Chiefs. I mean, we saw them kind of coast through games. Like next year, I would expect them to be like, well, there's no more just like getting up by, you know, two, three touchdowns and then winning by three. You know, like right. no more of that. Like it's got to be, let's bury every team that we play by 50. And, and let's see how many points we can score. I wouldn't be surprised if they go for the scoring record next year. I, I really wouldn't be surprised because uh, they should be that motivated. We're going to find out. We're going to find out what the Chiefs are made of once they lick their wounds after a brutal loss like that. The last time they had this brutal of a loss, they went back and they went back to the drawing board and they ended up winning the Super Bowl after that terrible AFC Championship loss. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how good the rest of the teams, how good are the Bills, how good are the Browns, how good are the Ravens next year. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of teams that are still going to be able to come up the pike. So it is, it's, it's always changing. The Chargers, I think the Chargers will be really, really good next year if, if Herbert develops the way he should. I mean, it could be a challenge in their own division. What does the, what does the AFC East produce? You know, I, there's, there's so many, so many questions next year going in, but the only steady hand right now is the Kansas City Chiefs. So we'll see. 
Well, Dan, it's been amazing having you on all season long. We're going to have you on again after the draft, so we'll uh, we'll we'll wake you from your yeah. summer hibernation uh, after the draft <laughs> to talk about that and and how that uh, shakes out. And then, uh, of course, uh, don't go anywhere because when uh, the 2021 season rolls around, we'll have you on again. But, uh, again, thank you so much for uh, spending your time with us every weekend or every Friday, I should say, during the, uh, the, during the season this year. I don't know what else I would do, Gene. Well, I'm sure you can find something. Spend Fridays, <laughs> spend Fridays with you. And so I go back into the cave now and go into hibernation. I'll be back for the draft. But, but it, it was a great, weird season, but a great season. And I hope next season – everything kind of goes back to normal and we can have a normal season. I can actually go to a game or two. Who knows? Uh, but it was great fun, and, and, and I'd rather do it with nobody else than you. Well, from your lips to God's ears, well, everything will be uh, normal this, this fall. Dan, thanks very much, and uh, we'll talk to you in, in a uh, couple of months. All right. God bless you. Right. Take care. Dan Zampano here on Sports Country Radio. That is going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Wake Up Call. i got to go out and uh, finish – uh, digging out from the eight inches of snow we got yesterday. So uh, have a great Monday. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country.